to pray. And then um, if you want to turn to Luke 14, I've got Luke 4, I might note it to Luke 14. Um, I'm going to pray and then we'll get to it. So Lord, we do thank you for your word, that your word is true, that your word speaks to our hearts, to our minds, to our bodies, and you are a God who loves us. You are our good, good father and you want to speak to us. And we do ask today you will open our hearts, open our minds to hearing and receiving your word. Help us to know you better through your word. Amen. So it's Luke 14. I'm not going to read the whole passage right now. I'll come, come to it in sections. But the Bible says that we have to confess our sins to one another. Now don't be scared. But I just want to ask you a simple question. How many people have watched Come Down With Me? Okay, and the second question is, how many people actually like it? <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> Me too, right? <laughs> ben, you know, like, ben was like this. <laughs> it's great, right? Because I sometimes watch it in work and stuff. I do actually do work when I'm in work. <laughs> but for those who don't know, I work in kind of care work, so sometimes patients are watching telly and it's on and you have to sit with them and so you're watching it too. Yeah, I know it is, isn't it? Um, but the reason I asked that, there is a reason for mentioning come down with me. Um, in what we're going to look at today in Luke 14, so Jesus is at a banquet, a feast, put on by the Pharisees, a Pharisee, a religious leader. And what's interesting about come down with me is that it gives people permission to go out to someone's house, eat their food and be really rude about it, which we don't do. It's not something we do in real life. Well, if you did it to me, I wouldn't be very happy. Um, but it does give permission to do that. And that is actually, we don't like to think of it this way, but actually that is sort of what Jesus does in this little banquet for the Pharisees. He is actually quite rude. Um, and there's something about Jesus, before we go into the passage, that, that we sometimes don't sort of think about or we don't like to admit that he was actually quite subversive, quite rebellious even, quite revolutionary at times. Um, he wouldn't submit himself to the rules and religious practices that were not of his father's law in the Old Testament. He obeyed the Old Testament law perfectly, but he wouldn't submit himself to rules and regulations that were not put down there. He wouldn't put himself under a religious um, a religious thing that wasn't from God, but also that is especially true when it came to people being oppressed and rejected and pushed down by the rules and regulations of his day. Does that make sense? And I mentioned come down with me because that is what Jesus does. That this meal that he's been invited to, he he takes up his kind of authority. And he is a bit rebellious and a bit kind of subversive. And he, he takes a pop at the people that have invited him out for dinner. So if we go start in verse 1, it's a good place to start. Verse 1 of Luke 14. One Sabbath, 
when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. They were watching him carefully, and behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son of an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And he could not reply to these things. I'm going to carry on with the passage in a minute, but start in there. So he's been out to dinner, as I say. It's a Sabbath day, and a man comes in who's sick. He's got dropsy, which is kind of like swelling. So I, I, I looked up pictures of it, because I, I didn't know what it was. So I Google imaged it. Uh, <laughs> Bex is holding her face, because I also Google like symptoms as well, when I'm not well, which I shouldn't do. But I, uh, I Googled it, and it's like a picture of a leg, and it's blown up like that. So dropsy's kind of like excess fluid, and it makes your parts of your body go really blow up. So Jesus asks the Pharisees, should I heal this man? Is it lawful? It's a Sabbath day. It's a holy day. Should I heal this man? And it says they've got no answer. They're silent. So he heals the man anyway. And then he rebukes them and says, if your child or your animal had fallen into a ditch on the Sabbath, you'd pull them out. See, it's going to become more obvious as we go through, but Jesus, at the very first point of this, there's kind of, in this section, by the way, there's kind of, there's a healing in two parables, and they all sort of come together to make the point here. But Jesus tells them off and says, look, you've got this law that says you can't do anything on the Sabbath, but this person is sick. And he heals them. And he says, it's wrong for you to be like this because you're not caring for the sick and the poor and the outcast. And he shows that care for that person. And then in verse 7 it goes on and says, he told a parable to those that were invited. This is the first parable, verse 7. He noticed how they were taking the places of honor and he said to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. Then you will, then you will begin with, sh- you, will take, you will take the lower place with shame. Sorry, so he's basically saying, someone will come in and say, can you please move down the table? Because someone more important has come. But when you're invited, go to the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So he heals the guy on the Sabbath, they tell him off, 
he, t- he tells them off, you're not helping this poor guy. And then he notices that these people are jockeying for position at the table. They're like, these people are the upper crust of society. They're the really important people. And they want to have the best seat. It's really important to them that they have the best seat in the house. So he tells them the parable to say, actually, you want to be important, but what God wants is for you to be humble. He wants you to move down so that he can raise you up. If you take the highest seat, you'll only be humbled and asked to move. But if you take the lower seat, God will raise you up. That's the point of the parable. I cover those two sections quite quickly because they all come together in a minute. But that's the moral of the story. Choose humility and God will exalt you. But remember that this is aimed at the spiritual and religious elite. They love to invite the people to the banquet who was like them. Not the poor people like the man with dropsy who Jesus healed. But the people like them. As Jesus, and as Jesus says later on in the parable, in the story, don't do that. Invite the ones that can't repay you. I wonder whether we do that, and I don't really do that. Do we ever invite homeless people or other people that can't repay us for dinner? It seems that according to Jesus, how we treat the neediest people with honor and respect is pleasing to God. I will be rewarded. That's what he says at the resurrection. So there's a drama playing out. There's, there's, this is, the, this is a, a good like, drama of a story. It's, it's a real story. It happened. But Luke records it and it's this real drama. He shows them to, that they need to get their priorities right to follow God's heart. And they've got all their pomp, all their social mobility, all their all their um, all their desire to be popular. And Jesus says, you've got it wrong. You've got it wrong. You need to be you need to be caring for the outcasts of the poor. But this leads to the main bit. I kind of went over that quite quickly. And I sort of did it on purpose because actually when we talk about parables, there's one main parable, which is the parable of the banquet. And when we talk about parables, we like to talk about parables, but the story around the parables normally tells us what the parable's about. So, Jesus is already having a go at them at a meal that he's been invited to. So 15 to 24, this is where we're going to spend most of it. Hope it's making sense so far. I mean, you're getting kind of what's going on. This is really just the drama of the story. Poor man gets healed. Rich people want the best place. Jesus says this isn't right. But here, here it is, so 15 to 24. When one of the, those who reclined at the table heard him, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, And this is the parable, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, come, 
that everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I brought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I brought five yoke of oxen and I must go and examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. He doesn't even have to be excused. He just says, I can't come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done. There is still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is where Jesus, uh, this is where Jesus gets controversial. Right, so everything's been leading up to this. So he told them off for taking the, the places of honor and not caring for the sick person who he healed. So this guest says, blessed is everyone who eats in the kingdom of God. He sees Jesus do all these things. And actually, in that culture, that's kind of a way of getting the traveling rabbi who's come into your house to give his views on things. So when he says, blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God, when this person says that to Jesus, he kind of, he's kind of challenging Jesus to give his opinion on the kingdom banquet. And the idea of the banquet is from Isaiah 25, 6 to 9, which says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up this mountain, the covering that is cast over all peoples, and the veil that is spread over the nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And that's where this banquet idea comes from. And the Jews had an idea that in the future there would be a banquet in the kingdom of God with the Messiah and all the nations would be there. But over the years leading up to Jesus' coming, the Gentiles have kind of been scrubbed off that a bit. The Jews have created kind of a, a, an idea that, that rejected the Gentiles from that banquet. And so they probably wanted Jesus to answer something like, keep the law properly, be a good Jew, and you'll share in this banquet that's coming in the future. That's kind of probably something like they would want him to say. That would kind of match what they, what they believe. But instead, he, uh, he responds with a parable. And this is where it gets all come down with me. So this is, this is, this is good stuff. <laughs> I really like this bit of Jesus' character. It's something we don't always like, go with. But he just, if you read it as a nice parable, it just seems like a good story. But when you see why he's saying this, so, 
We'll come to that in a minute anyway. That's, that's later. But it, let me get to it. In the parable, the master of the feast invites people. So they say things like, sorry, I have a field. I've just paid for it. I need to go and see it. Or I've just bought oxen and I need to go and look at them. Now, if you bought a field, you'd see it before you bought it because you want to know if it's the right field that you want to plant your crops in. Keith's a farmer, or Keith's dad was a farmer. You probably know something of that, although it's a different culture, but it, it, it kind of works. You know, and, and, pull, and pulling oxen, you need to know the oxen are going to pull together. You need to know that it's kind of like apparently one oxen would get tied before the other. You didn't want that, so you want an oxen that could go at the same kind of... So we in Bex, we, yesterday we looked at a house. For those who don't know, we're getting married soon. And we looked at a house and we're thinking of going for it. So if I've been invited to a meal and said to the person, sorry, I can't come. We've just rented a house and I need to go see what it looks like. It, you, it's like, it's obviously an excuse not to go. Because we wouldn't do that. We, we looked at the house and now we're going to see if we want to rent it. And we're going to start all the process that happens with that. You don't look at it after you've rented it. But that's what these people are saying. The excuse they're making is, we've got a field, we've got our oxen, we paid for it, and now we want to see it. This is obviously an excuse not to come. And then the other one says, sorry, I just got married, and I can't come. I don't know why they couldn't take that wife with them, but the excuse is, I've got married and I can't come. It's an excuse. The master of the feast in the parable invites people to the feast and they make excuses that are obviously excuses so they don't have to go to the feast that he's put on, is what I'm saying. So if you pay good money to put on a meal for people and they didn't turn up, you wouldn't be happy. And if people don't turn up to our wedding reception, when good money's been paid, I won't be happy. <laughs> so, except that we'll have more food. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty good. But no, you wouldn't be happy. So, but you, you wouldn't be happy. You know, you pay good money and the people don't turn up. They make excuses and say, we can't come. And I remember someone inviting me to a meal and I filmed them up maybe the day before, maybe even on the morning, and I said, oh, I can't come now. She was really annoyed on the phone. She was like, I've paid good money that I haven't got afford to put this on. And at first I was like, what, what's wrong with you? And then I realized that actually she's right. She'd bought loads of food. They didn't have a lot of money. She'd got ready for this meal. And I'd said I couldn't go. Um, and she was annoyed with me. And she was right. And I did go in the end, actually, because the other thing I'd got to do actually wasn't that important. But the point is that I changed my mind. And in this parable, that's what these people were doing. They were changing their mind to not go to the feast. Which is, which when you put into, so when you put into the culture today is even more important because it's a shame and honor culture. So if you, we live in a culture where we kind of, it's punishment and um, guilt and punishment. So if you do something wrong, you get punished for it. So if I steal off Keith, I'm not going to steal off your Keith, but if I steal Keith's iPhone, that is a good phone. If I steal that phone off Keith, I would be punished for it. And so our view of the gospel is kind of Jesus died to be punished for our sin. And that's right. But the culture that Jesus was speaking into, and a lot of cultures in that area today, their shame 
and honor culture. So if you don't come to my meal, you've shamed me. You've put me to shame because you haven't come to the meal that I put on for you. And so, basically, in this parable, what Jesus is saying is that the master of the feast has been shamed by those who have been invited. They've brought shame on him, shame on his family. And that's really incredibly offensive. We don't live in that, as much in that kind of culture. That is incredibly offensive. He's just painting a picture of how offensive and, and, and bad this is to reject going to this banquet. Highly offensive. So in the parable, how does the master of the house respond to the offence? He turns his anger into grace. And he tells the servants to go and find the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Like the man with dropsy at the start. And then when this is done and there's still space, he tells the servants to go even further out and find more people. To bring in. That man with dropsy that these religious people have rejected. They're the kind of people in the parable that the master calls to come to the feast. And this is the whole, this is the thing. Who were the people originally invited to the feast? Jesus is aiming this at the Pharisees. So the religious leaders in the parable are the original invitees to the feast. They're the ones that claim to know God, claim to follow him, claim to be his people. They were invited and they refused to come. And that brings dishonor to God. And this is where you can see that this is, this is offensive. He's sitting at the table saying to these people, you have dishonored God. You claim to be the religious leaders, but you have not come to God. And you've rejected the needy and the poor and the sick person. That You put your law of the Sabbath above his well-being. And that's why I mentioned, come down with me, that's why I mentioned the offense at the table, that, at the meal that Jesus was at. You don't speak to people like this who invite you to a meal, but Jesus does because he could see that they were, they were not obeying God and they were not coming to him and were stopping others from doing so. And wider than that, he's also criticizing the Jewish people in general, not all Jewish people, because all of Jesus' followers were Jewish, but kind of, they were his covenant people the people of promise in the Old Testament. And they also, in general, rejected Jesus. And so his gospel goes out to the Gentiles. And that's what this is about. He sends out his gospel to other people when the people that should have come refused to do so. The people they look down on, whether in the human level of the poor and the outcasts and the needy and the hungry and the, the sick, or whether on the national level of the Jewish 
culture, people of Israel looking down on the Gentiles in their sort of pagan sin and ignorance and darkness. They were looking down on those people, but because of their rejection of him, he caused the other people to come to him. And as Mark said this morning, for those who were here, you heard it, God takes those who are not and raises them up. And that's the point. It's the heart of God. The Pharisees thought they were. The religious leaders thought they were, which is why they wanted the best seats at the table. But Jesus calls those that are not and raises them up. And that is the heart of God. The have-nots and the rejects and the addicts and the bullied and the fearful and the ones they think they have nothing to give. That gospel has gone out to the nations, to those people God is calling to share in his banquet. Those who think they have it, those who think they're great, those who want the best position, basically those who are proud and not humble, miss it. So will you come? There's two things I want to ask, actually. Will you come if you haven't come? As I look around the room, I can imagine that everybody here has come to Jesus. And now you've got no excuse because you can't say, if you haven't come to Jesus, you can't say, well, I'm not good enough or I'm, I'm sick or I'm poor or I'm needy or I'm whatever because Jesus is calling to people to come who are the lowest of the low in the sight of the world. So will you come to him? I don't know if there's anyone that needs to come to him. Maybe you'll follow Jesus. Or maybe you're just a Christian that needs to come to him again. You've been using that as an excuse not to come to him. To say, oh, well, I'm not good enough, so I won't. Well, nobody's good enough. No excuses. Will you come? He's calling you. So when you make a response, go to the feast, or excuse yourself, and stay where you are. That's what the Pharisees have done. That's what the religious leaders have done. That's what the people in the parable have done. They excuse themselves from the feast. They made all kinds of excuses not to come. But you need to come. And there's people here that can encourage you to come. You can come and speak to someone if you want to come. But then there's also the question of those of us that are a bit more sure that we've come to Jesus. Is will you go? Particularly, will you go to those people that the servants in the parable were sent to go to? the poor and the outcast and the sick and the rejected we can be like the religious leaders that Jesus through his parable insults and has a go at 
or we can go. We're called to go to all people, but particularly we can go to them. And I think sometimes we just need to get over ourselves and go to those who we wouldn't normally associate with. I know we all live busy lives and we can make excuses not to, but we can go to those that we wouldn't naturally normally go to. So that's God's heart and that's what Jesus is trying to hit them with in his parable. And it's also worth remembering as well that we do want to look at the homeless or the addicts or whatever, but also there are people you work with, you study with, you're in school with, people who have a nice house but are in debt, or the people that look popular but actually are making themselves sick so they can stay the shape they are or whatever. Or, you know, the family that looks happy and jolly and good, but are actually on the brink of falling apart with divorce and family breakup. They're all broken people. It is definitely to go to the people that are sort of the low, what we would see as, we shouldn't call it lowest of the low, what we would see as that, or what the world would see as that. But even the normal people that you're around every day are broken people. But they just hide their brokenness a little bit better. I work with people that I know in their lives that they're broken, but they don't admit that. You just listen to what they say. You listen to how they speak. You listen to what goes on in their lives. And we're called to go to them too. And we can't afford to stand over them like the religious leaders did. But to find God's heart. He's inviting them into the feast. And he's telling, I was going to say telling us, he's inviting us actually to go out. He's working with him. It's interesting that Rachel shared the uh, sort of the Matthew 28, the one we like, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And, 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 and it, it sort of is a commandment, but we can also see that as Jesus is inviting us to go where he's going. To the people he's going to. To reach them. And to share Jesus with them. It's not just about evangelism, it's just about being like Jesus in the world we're in. So, just a challenge from Jesus himself, really, in his parable. Will we go? Will we see what he's seeing? Will we look at the people? that he's looking at. This is not a command. I'm not trying to beat you up. You know, I don't do it very well either. It's all his grace. Don't worry about it. Just be who Jesus has called you to be. Be like him. 
and you'll see things happening. Here we go. I'm going to pray. Please feel free to, to uh, pray with me. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you send us to go. And we, we ask you to show us in our lives, even this week as we go, show us the people that are broken. Show us the people on the street that we walk past that need you. Show us even the people we work with that seem to have it together, that inside they are broken. Let us not be like the Pharisees, the religious leaders who sat at the banquet, jockeyed for the best place, thought to be recognized. And in all of their religiousness, they rejected the person that had come. They needed a healing. Let us be like you, Jesus. Let us go in your name full of your spirit, by your grace. Challenge us again with that. Thank you, Lord. Amen.